And uh, this guy went past me on the uh, <laughs> on his tractor, looked at me with uh, a bit of like a strange, you know, puzzled look, like, what's this guy doing? Uh, pulled over, jumped off his uh, tractor, sort of headed towards me, and um, <laughs> sort of waving his hands everywhere. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm looking back at the, the border, thinking, can I get there in time? You know, would I be able to out, you know, race his tractor? Um, and he got a bit closer and a bit closer. And I said, uh, hi, are you okay? He said, oh, you're English? I said, uh, yeah. He said, oh, he said, oh, good, let's go for a beer. Um, so this whole, like, stressing and, and worry um, about this guy coming towards me in this horrible country, and this, the first person I met literally just said, oh, you're from England, you're English, let's go for a beer. And so we went, we went for a beer, and I stayed with that guy for about three days. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 137, Walking Serbia with Kevin Shannon. Welcome back to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is Travis. So while you're listening to this interview, uh, you might want to go to Instagram and visit Kevin Shannon's page. It's K-E-V underscore Shannon. Uh, Check out his photos while you're listening to him describe Serbia. Sounds like a really wonderful place to check out. So it might give you a little bit of a feel for what he's talking about if you're looking at the pictures. So on with the show. Today I have Kevin Shannon on the line with me. Kevin's from the UK. In 2013... Kevin spent 10 weeks walking across Serbia, 900 kilometers. Um, Before that, Kevin spent quite a bit of time in the saddle of a bicycle riding around Europe. And I want Kevin to to go into the the bike ride around Europe a little bit. We're also going to talk about his book that he's writing in his Kickstarter campaign about that book to raise funds for it. So, Kevin, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So do me a favor and go into your background a little bit. What makes you an adventurous person? Uh, what What is it that started you out doing stuff like this instead of just sitting down and having a day job? <laughs> um, well, I think that uh, it all started sort of when I was leaving university. Um, and I was looking, like most people who finish university in the UK, they kind of want to uh, travel around sort of Southeast Asia and Australia and do the sort of backpacking, uh, kind of thing. Uh, and I was interested in traveling, but I didn't want to do something that was kind of generic and, you know, that everybody does. Um, I, I was trying to find something really different. And, um, so I was researching lots of different, different ideas of, uh, of things to do when I was traveling. Um, so for, for, you know, my travels and, um, I just happened to, to walk past a, um, a secondhand bookstore in London where I was at uni, and uh, in the in the window was a was a small book, um, and it just said, "Why don't you fly?" In sort of um, it was like a question mark, um, and it was just a picture of uh, the front cover is just a guy on a bicycle, um, 
in a huge desert with mountains in the background. And I was like, okay, that's quite interesting. So I, so I got your grabbed it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I grabbed it. I think it was like 50p for the book. Um, so I bought it and was reading it on the tube and was hooked. And I read the book in about three or four hours. Um, I didn't put the thing down. And um, it's, it's basically about a guy who, who cycled from London to um, Beijing by bicycle. And it kind of opened up this whole world to me of this sort of traveling by bicycle. I'd never heard of it before. Um, it just seems such a bizarre concept. And the more I sort of researched into it, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I want to do. Um, and so I spent the next two years sort of planning a cycle trip and saving up for a cycle trip um, that kind of took me through, um, through Europe, basically from, from uh, northern England, where I'm from, um, and to the sort of end of Turkey with the Iranian border, and then uh, and then back again, um, and that's kind of uh, yeah, that's kind of how the adventure side of things started. Really, kind of like a prolonged, arduous holiday, so, I guess you could call it. <laughs> so you saw a book in a bookstore and just thought, man, that's something I got to do, and that it launched this this awesome ride through Europe. And uh, man, if if we could all get started so easily. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think my problem is that's kind of I, I, I think, OK, I'm going to do something and then nothing's really going to get in the way of that. I'm going to do as you know, I'm going to try as hard as I can to, to do what I've sort of got in my mind. Um, yeah, and it, it happened. <laughs> so how did that work? Did you end up uh, did you have a bike? Did you end up getting sponsors to to make this trip? I mean, finances are obviously something that everybody would be concerned about. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, what I actually wanted to do in the first place was um, I had a friend in Australia and I thought, well, this guy in the book has cycled to uh, Beijing. Maybe I could cycle to Australia. And then I was like, well, if I've cycled to Australia, I might as well cycle home. Um, it seemed like the logical thing. Uh, so I planned this actually this round the world route. Um, and it was just as uh, we were all heading into a sort of recession uh, I think it was global, but especially here in the UK. Um, and so I thought, oh, I could, I could get this trip sponsored by, by a company. Um, and that didn't happen. So I saved, I had a load of money saved up, which I knew would take me on the European route. And kind of halfway through that, I realized that the, the big major sort of around the world trip wasn't going to happen. But I thought, well, I've got all this money in the bank. I might as well make the most of it and just sort of uh, um, coasted around uh, Europe uh, on a bicycle. Um, so, I mean, the beautiful thing about cycling and, and, and what I was doing was I was, I was, um, you know, I had my tent and stuff, um, on the back of the bike. So I was sleeping in fields and in ditches and parks and in graveyards and car parks and, uh, and well, everywhere I could basically find somewhere to pitch a tent. Um, and when you live like that, it's so cheap. I was living on maybe three or four euros a day at one point. Um, wow. for, for everything, for food, for, you know, well, no, there was no accommodation, but for, you know, uh, inner tubes for my bike, <laughs> you know, it just cost me three to four euros a day. Yeah. When you have to put an inner tube on your bike, that's a big expense for the day. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, not a bad yeah. way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you spend on the bike? Um, it was, well, the, the, I left home and sort of arrived back, um, about a year and a half later. Okay. Um, when I, uh, but I mean, th- about three months of that were actually spent in, in Serbia, um, sort of over Christmas, over winter. 
Right. So were you a uh, were you a cyclist going into it, or you just thought that would be a, a great mode of transportation, and I'm going to try it? Um, I mean, you know, I could ride a bike. I think that's about as much as the the cycling. <laughs> Um, I used to do sort of mountain biking with a couple of friends when I was younger, but I wouldn't say I was like a you know, really sporty uh, cyclist guy. I think when I was at uni, the, the I used to walk about a mile to university and then walk back and on the way back get like some fast food. So <laughs> I wasn't exactly the most sportiest of people. Um, but it, it from, you know, obviously I bought that book that I mentioned uh, in the secondhand bookshop, but then I also got a... Uh, would buy other books about other journeys and it just seemed like the bike was the perfect way um to to see places because you're going fast enough to actually get somewhere you know you can you can travel across um a country in you know in a few days but you're going slow enough to take in all the sites and meet people um and you're open to the elements so uh, okay you may get you know stuck in rain and snow but you know the sights and smells um, I don't think there's another uh, a better way to travel than on the back of a bicycle. Yeah, absolutely. So biking wasn't your thing, but you you were proficient enough to uh, to trust that that you could go out there and manage it. That's good. Yeah, I, th- I think that's all you need, really. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. So, how about a story out on your your travels um, that? that really left an impression on you? I mean, obviously riding through Serbia left an impression on you on the, the bike ride, uh, so yeah. much so that you went back to walk across it. Um, what about yeah. a story from that? Uh, from, from the cycling. Um, well, I think, I think the best, the, the, my, my, it's gotta be one of my favorite sort of, uh, happy moments, I guess, was when I was first crossing into, uh, into the, um, sorry, across the Serbian border from Croatia. Now the week before I'd, I'd spent cycling across Northern Croatia and I didn't have the best of times. Uh, I didn't meet people and they were kind, but a few people were, you know, was kids were sort of throwing rocks at me and, um, letting the dogs off, uh, you know, dogs um letting the dogs run after me and stuff like this so i was a bit sort of like um shaken up by the whole thing and obviously i was kind of out, outside of my comfort zone because i wasn't in western europe so much anymore i was heading more towards the east um and everybody had told me who had stopped who were being nice to me um that when i get to serbia uh, i was going to be killed i was going to be uh, mugged i was going to be you know um Basically, everything bad that could happen to you was going to happen to me in Serbia. Uh, so as I, I sort of cycled uh, towards the border, these sort of stories were sort of starting to build up in my head. And I actually didn't have a pre- any preconceived notion of Serbia. Um, obviously, there was there was uh, conflicts and wars and things. But I was kind of a little bit too young to sort of comprehend that and um, sort of put the two things together, like the country and those stories. Um, so I... I was I was really nervous when I got to the border with um, Serbia, um, and it was the first border I had to pass through. And it they had, um, to my sort of untrained eye, I guess they had uh, sort of Russian, um, what well, like Russian sort of KGB or whatever uniforms on, uh, looking really sort of stern and angry. And they sort of stamped my passport, let me through, sort of gave me a sort of once over. Um, and, and kind of let me go on my way. And, and I, I was like, this isn't good, you know. I've gone from quite bad to what could be 
potentially be a really bad country. <laughs> I am definitely <laughs> going to die here. <laughs> yeah, so like, I'm probably about um, about a kilometer, maybe a kilometer and a half into the country, and um, this this guy sort of uh, on a tractor. Um, you know the roads are deteriorated quite badly, so I'm like, well, this is quite a poor country. Um, there's piles of rubbish everywhere. There's a there's a um, a pack of wild dogs barking at me in a field. Um, so I'm really starting to get nervous. And then this tractor goes past. Um, and on the back of my bike, I had a trailer. And on the trailer, I had a little flagpole. And on the flagpole, I had a little Union Jack, just to kind of let people know where I was from, you know, the little British flag. And uh, this guy went past me on the uh, <laughs> on his tractor, looked at me with uh, a bit of like a straight, you know, puzzled look, like, what's this guy doing? Uh, pulled over. Jumped off his uh, tractor, sort of headed towards me, and um, <laughs> sort of waving his hands everywhere. And I'm like, "Oh no!" I'm looking back at the the border, thinking, "Can I get there in time? You know, would I be able to out, you know, race his tractor?" Um, and he got a bit closer, a bit closer. And I said, uh, "Hi, are you okay?" He said, "Oh, you're English." I said, uh, "Yeah." He said, oh, "He said, oh, good. Let's go for a beer." Um, so this whole like stressing and, and worry um about this guy coming towards me in this horrible country and this the first person i met literally just said oh you're from england you're english let's go for a beer <laughs> and so we went we went for a beer and i stayed with that guy for about three days um his friends came around we had beers his wife cooked me huge meals um and it was my first experience of uh of serbian uh, hospitality um and it was I think I think because it was the contrast of being really scared and then really happy. I think it's one of the, my, my favorite moments from the whole cycling journey. Yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the moment of awakening. You could have taken that as, oh man, this guy's going to kill me over a beer that's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, no. To be fair, when I, when I got, they took me to the little uh, sort of the the kafana, as they're called. He took me there, and then his friends, uh, as he, he phoned his uh, his cousin, and his cousin turned up with his friends, and they all got out of this uh, this old Mercedes. Uh, leather jackets, you know, right out of like a some gangster movie, and walked in, <laughs> and uh, you're the Englishman. I was like, yeah, I'm the Englishman, and they were like, right, but you know, sticking their huge hands out and shaking my my hand like, oh, buy me more beer and stuff. Um, so the, yeah, there was a few moments during that whole three days. Where I was like, is this too good to be true? <laughs> That's funny, wasn't it? I don't know if you saw the the long way down, long way round. It was a series over over where you are. For us, we just have to rent it. Um, but it, it was Serbia or somewhere around there that that Ewan McGregor, Charlie Boren, Borman had a very similar experience. You know, the, this guy just shows up on the the border crossing and looks like he's from the mafia and takes them in, and you know, and all the friends show up and uh, with all the guns and everything. And it, you know, for a while it, it spooked the the heck out of them, you know. But it turned out to be a really cool experience for them. Probably was Serbia. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the usual welcome. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so you're sitting here telling your story, and I thought, wow, that sounds just like that. You know, this must be a common thing over there. <laughs> so if you're going to Serbia, don't worry. When the guy, the mafia shows up, just uh, accept their invitation, go for beer. I'm sure it'd be just fine. <laughs> Very cool. That's a good story. For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, Bent Gate is here to help. 
BentGate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, BentGate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. BentGate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check BentGate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. Never run out of camp stove fuel again. The 180 stove is a natural fuel stove that eliminates the need to carry heavy, bulky fuel canisters. With a generous 6-inch by 7-inch cooking surface, it folds away into a clean, compact, self-forming case that is small enough to fit inside your pocket. At only 10.4 ounces, the additional weight and space savings allows for other important items in your pack. Get more information at 180tac.com and look for it in retailers near you as well as online. A lot of times, uh, you know, things don't go well. Um, obviously, that one did. And, you know, the, the media, it can portray parts of the world, you know, far differently than, than what they really are. Um, but what was a moment that, that really, <laughs> when things didn't go quite right on, on either of these adventures? Um, there's the, I'm kind of, not, I won't say I'm famous, uh, amongst my friends, I'm infamous for, um, my uh large dog story which was um it was uh, when i was cycling and i was in the north of turkey and it was winter so it's like you know it's minus 10 in the north of turkey in the winter uh right on the coast and um i stopped at a little bakery uh one night uh one evening just before i was finding somewhere to 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 uh to camp and i went in and um as the, the Turkish are all, are all very, very welcoming. Um, and so the guy sort of gave me, the, uh, the baker, sorry, gave me a, a free loaf of bread and told me to sit by the fire, um, you know, his big oven, and uh, sort of warm myself up. So I did, he gave me tea and stuff. And then um, he, uh, just before I was going to, going to leave, he says, oh, do you have a gun? I said, no, I don't have a gun. He said, what do you do if you get attacked? I said, I try not to get attacked. He said, okay, well, here. And he pulled out a pistol and sort of gave me this pistol. I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't need that. Thank you, I'm okay. He pulled out a shotgun. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't need that either. Thank you. I said, you need them. If it's dangerous, then you need them. I'm leaving this area. He's like, oh, it's not dangerous, but you just have to be careful. I was like, um, okay. And I thought he meant from people, but it becomes quite clear why. So he says, no, you take the shotgun because I've got, this one and pulls out this big fancy shotgun. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I said, no, no, thank you. And left. And so the next evening I was in a village, probably, uh, probably about 90 kilometers, um, up, up the coast. Um, and the same thing happened. I needed my bread for the evening. So I went into this little, uh, bakery and, um, the guy offered for me to sit and warm up and sort of took pictures with me and, uh, drank tea and stuff. Um, so yeah, and then the next, uh, evening I was uh, in a village, probably about 90 kilometers up the coast and I went into a, to a second, uh, bakery, um, to get my bread for that evening. And, um, again, the, the baker 
uh, invited me inside um, to sit next to his fire and to sort of get warm. And we took photos together and he gave me some tea and stuff. And I realized that it was getting quite dark outside. So um, I said, OK, thank you for your hospitality. I've got to go and find somewhere to sleep. And he said, OK. So I, I walked out and I've got this little little carrier bag with a um, little plastic bag with uh, a loaf of bread. And um, it's sort of it's getting dark. It's not fully dark. Um, and I, I walked towards my bike, which I led up against this large sort of wall. Um, and this kind of, well, a dog essentially, um, was, came out of the sort of shadows and was kind of growling at me and snarling. Um, so in Turkish, I told it to, to go home. Um, and then it kept getting closer and closer and I started to get a little bit worried because they do have very very large dogs uh in in turkey and sort of in the balkans so i thought okay it's after my bread it must be hungry so i threw my loaf of bread um across the other side of the street hoping that that would distract it um and it didn't it kept coming <laughs> so i kind of pulled my bike away from the wall and put it between me and this uh this dog um and next thing i know this dog's got its its front paws on top of the panniers on the back of my bike and it's it's inches away from my face snarling and snapping and um, so i kind of i say i punched a wolf um oh, i've just given the end anyway <laughs> we'll <laughs> I go say with that. I, uh, yeah we'll edit that i say i punched it but i i didn't punch it it kind of uh, i kind of slapped it like a you know quite a sissy slap and um <laughs> And so I started like shouting for help, and the tea, the, the people started coming out of the tea house sort of across the road. Uh, and then the baker came out with with a shotgun. So this is a different baker, but he's got a shotgun as the same as his friend up the road, nine kilometers away. He comes out with his shotgun, uh, fires a shot in the air. I flinched, um, and the dog didn't. Um, and so he he and the dog's still trying to go for me. So he he went up to the to the uh, to the dog and basically shot it point blank range with a shotgun wow. um, in the chest and I was like oh that's not normal uh, <laughs> that's so, disturbing. so I kind of yeah so I kind of put the the bike against the against the uh, the wall again and kind of sat on the curb a bit shaken you know this thing had gone on for about a minute minute and a half I was really shaken up by it and they, everyone's crowded around and sort of taking pictures um, of this of, of the dog. And whatnot, and I'm just kind of sort of uh, shocked starting to sit in. So someone gives me some nice sugary tea, um, and they're, they're talking to me, and I'm saying, I don't, I don't, sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. Um, and next thing I know, uh, down the hill comes this little kid uh, on a BMX uh, bike, and he comes over to me and he says, "Are you, uh, are you the Englishman?" I said, "Yeah." Um, he said, "Are you having trouble?" I said, uh, "Well, yeah, the the." the talking to me but i don't know what they're saying um and he says ah okay and so he started speaking so somebody clearly phoned this kid uh told him to come down so he went and spoke to somebody he came back he said ah um that what they're telling you is this is a wolf i said no no this is a, a, a dog thinking he'd got the translation wrong um and he says no no this is a wolf whoa said, sure he was like yeah this wolf had uh apparently from what i could gather must have been pushed out of the pack um it was slightly lame which I remember seeing its hind leg was a bit, um, a bit, uh, uh, yeah, it's a bit bad on its on its back leg, and um, it had been hanging around the village for a, a couple of weeks, um, and people kept seeing it, and it just so happened that I turned up on the day that it was getting very very hungry. <laughs> you decided uh, to pick so on think, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, so they so they think it was like it had uh, was maybe rabid or or, or something like that. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so I essentially punched a wolf in the face. That's my sort of claim to fame. I mean, I'm, I'm, to be fair, I'm not overly convinced it was a it was a wolf because um, it just looked like a huge, you know, German shepherd, um, which I guess a wolf looks like. But you know, I'll take it. I'll yeah. uh, you know, I'll wear it as a badge of honour that I punched a wolf in the face. Shame it had to be shot, obviously. But um, yeah, that's probably one of the, the sort of sketchiest uh <laughs> things that's happened to me on the road yeah that's pretty crazy so i think the major takeaway here the the lesson to learn is don't rob a baker in turkey because they're all armed right yeah that's yes definitely <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing i don't think they're um they're pretty proud of the guns as well you know they've got some really sort of fancy uh fancy looking guns so i don't think they'd have too much problem pulling them out as well and yeah. sort of uh, or using yeah. them yeah <laughs> Wow, that's craziness. <laughs> okay, so let's get into Serbia a little bit. Obviously, you know, like I said earlier, you you discovered Serbia on the bike ride, and you you know something drew you you back to it um, to walk through it. Uh, tell me about that. What is it about Serbia that drew you? I mean, it could be it could be any country over there, but Serbia did it for you. So, what what was it about Serbia? Um, well, I think I think what happened was um, it's because. So I mentioned the the, uh, the guy and his family that I stayed with when I first crossed the border, and then I was on the road for a day, and then it happened again um, with this guy, and he said, "Oh, you got to stay for a week," and I ended up staying, being passed between his friends and sort of seeing different parts of the country um, with this sort of in between this group of people, um, little families and, and and couples and stuff sleeping on the sofas, and it was sort of three months of. Um, just generosity in in the most like it was insane the like they would take me out for meals i'd give them money to try and pay for the meals they wouldn't allow it i went to stay with my friends yelena and gile who i stayed with for two months in belgrade um and they one day i um i came home and i had a packet of um uh, crisps or potato chips and and a kind of uh, and a kind of coke or something that i'd bought from just being out in the in the city and I, I came back and they said, oh, do you, 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 you drink Coca-Cola? I says, well, I'd pick one up, yeah. And they said, oh, and you eat you know, potato chips? I was like, well, I guess. And so the next day I came in and they had a, like two cupboards in the, uh, in, in the kitchen, uh-huh, um, cool. just packed full of crisps and, and Coca-Cola, which was a bit e- extreme. <laughs> so I didn't want to get fat, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> it was just a snack. <laughs> It was just a quick snack, um, and they uh, and, and you know, and then I tried to sort of um, you know buy you know bread, eggs, milk, things like that, just to fill the fridge, um, and they almost kicked me out of the house. Really? They, because they were so offended that I'd uh, that I'd done that. Wow. Um, and you know, I, I had money saved up. I didn't. Um, Serbia is a very cheap country, but every time I went out, they were trying to sort of. I would walk everywhere, or I'd cycle everywhere, and they kept sort of trying to give me money for food when I was out or money for taxis and stuff. And these aren't, these aren't wealthy people either. These are normal, you know, everyday Serbian folk. Um, and so I think like, that because there was just this overwhelming generosity and then I got back to the UK um, and that's where everyone was kind of had their own preconceived ideas of what Serbia is and who Serbian people are. And I kept trying to tell them, no, no, this isn't, this isn't, Serbia what you're saying isn't 
Serbia, okay, uh, you know, there were conflicts and they may have done some not very nice stuff as a, as a, as a country, you know, or as a, as a government, but as a, as a person, a Serbian person is amazing. Um, and so I, I was like, well, how can I prove this? <laughs> um, and I thought, I know, I'll, uh, I'll go to the country and just write a book about the country. I'll explore the country as much as possible um, to make sure that I haven't got it wrong um, and sort of write a, a book about my experiences. Oh, that's, uh, cool. that, that's how the, the, the trip sort of came about, really, and the book. Well, that's a great idea. I think one of the things we get roped into too easily is is associating uh, the the country people or uh, a country's people with their government. You know, we look at what the country's government is doing. We assume all of the the people that live there agree with what the government is doing. And obviously, from America, you know, we <laughs> we're in the limelight when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know, because we don't obviously, of course, we don't always agree with what our government does around the world. But, you know, I couldn't blame somebody for looking in and thinking that because I've been guilty of doing the same thing. So, you know, for you to go in and experience that hospitality and, uh, and want to devote that much of your time and life and energy into experiencing it and sharing it with the rest of the world is, is great. And I look forward to the book for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of like, it's, um, it wasn't even really a decision. It was just kind of like, uh, there was no like trigger. Like I've got to do this. It was just kind of, um, I felt it was my duty. Do you know what I mean? Like it was, um, right. bestowed upon me that I've, you know, I've got this perfect opportunity to tell people, um, and sort of do a country, you know, justice, I guess. Yeah. And you always do kind of wonder, uh, you know, when people are that hospitable, you, you you sit there and you think, well, are they being this hospitable to try and paint an, an overly uh, pleasant image of the country because, you know, maybe in the news they're not portrayed so well, or are they really truly that hospitable? And I think from the sounds of it, I think what you've experienced was the latter. Yeah, I mean, so... Serbia was ruled for 500 years by the Ottoman Empire, um, which is, you know, the Turkish. Um, and so it, it, from what I can gather, I personally think they've got that sort of um, the hospitality that you find a lot of uh, Muslim countries have, um, which I experienced in, in Turkey, which is sort of if you're on a journey or if you're a stranger or whatever, then you're sort of welcomed into people's homes and they sort of um, and, and they kind of treat you right. Um, I, th I think that might be where they've sort of uh, got that habit from, <laughs> of yeah. welcoming, welcoming right. Kevin to the home. Right. Well, it's good that you, you accepted it. You know, I think uh, yeah. in the Western world, it's too easy to be a little unnerved by that that kind of uh, generosity. You know, people welcome you in because, you know, in the Western world, you know, somebody welcomes me in like that, you're... I wouldn't say you're suspicious, but you're, you're at least kind of question the motive, I guess, you know, you know, and when you get into the, into the area that you were in and people are just genuinely that way and to be able to open yourself up and allow it to happen is, uh, that's the only way to experience it. Yeah, definitely. Slow Boat to the Bahamas is a funny look at getting the sailing bug, preparing for, and going on the big trip with a four-year-old and a four-pound dog. Linus Wilson recounts how his family sailed from New Orleans to the Bahamas in 2015. 
In its first week, Slow Boat to the Bahamas Kindle version was the number one bestseller in all three of its categories, sailing narratives, Bahamas, and cruises. And as you can tell from the podcast we had with Linus, this book's gotta be a hoot. Pick up your copy today. So let's get into the the book then. Obviously, you had an amazing experience in Serbia. The goal was to experience it even more, write a book about it. You've started a Kickstarter campaign, and um, I'm happy to say that I looked today and that you're fully funded for the the your original goal. Now you're into the stretch goals, which is awesome. So tell me a little bit about the uh, the book, the plan for the book, and the campaign itself. Okay, so I mean, um, the book is uh, essentially, um, it's, uh, I always call it my love letter to Serbia, but what it actually is, it's my, it's the story of my journey through uh, Serbia. So it's kind of my personal thoughts and feelings of having to undertake an arduous journey on foot, um, you know, what it's like to have the soles of your feet worn away, um, uh, you know, with blisters and, and everything, uh, back pain, sleeping in ditches when it, when you're cold and you're wet. Um, it's obviously um, a lot about the people that I met along the way because that does make the journey. So it's about all those, you know, really kind people. And, you know, there were, uh, on this journey, there were a few times, um, only a handful, that I did uh, sort of meet some, I won't say not so nice people, but not so uh, friendly people, which was... Um, strangely quite nice um uh so it's kind of that sort of journey the a to b uh, of the walk but also interspersed um are small sort of chapters about things like religion uh things like food um uh, alcohol uh, which plays quite a big part in sort of serbia um and so it, it what i've tried to do is tell the story of my walk and kind of fill the book with little chunks of information um, about the about the country as well, um, and then there is also a photo book that I've that I've done, which is kind of like it's going to be a uh, it's a fifty maybe sixty page sort of photo book that's um, photos from my journey. I'm not the probably not the best photographer, uh, but I do like taking photos with small um, sort of short stories and little uh, fun facts and, and things like that from the journey. So there's like two books um, about the walks. Um, and yeah, I, I, I decided that I wanted to forego the struggle of running around trying to find a publisher. Um, and I thought I'd let it, you know, try and uh, crowdfund the book. Um, and thankfully, uh, two weeks into the campaign, which was running for, which is running for thir- uh, 30 days, um, I basically hit my target goal. Um, so the book is definitely being made. And now I've, uh, as you mentioned, now I've got to sort of uh, look at stretch goals. Well, I think that says something for, you know, people's hungry to hunger to learn more about, you know, unknown areas. You know, this is, Serbia is not uh, a place where <laughs> I would have jumped on the internet and started researching <laughs> out of the blue, you know? So the, yeah. the fact that they're making this book available, I think, uh, like I said, it, it, the fact that people have, 
you know, donated money to make the book available really says something about their, their curiosity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the, the, what I've actually found with people who've uh, donated, they've obviously sent me a message, I've sent them a thank you message for uh, donating. And a lot of them, a lot of people have donated. Um, are the people who are interested in adventure, as you can imagine, but a lot of people are um, people of Serbian uh, whose parents were Serbian or grandparents were Serbian and they now live in the US or Canada or Australia or uh, South Africa. Um, and so it's people who are curious about their own country as well, uh, sort of their, where, where they're originally from, uh, which is quite nice that I can kind of paint a better picture for them as well. Right, right. So do you plan on doing uh, some speaking engagements after the book is out? I think some of your stretch goals were to do that. Yeah, I mean, what I want to do is if I can, um, so my, my, my uh, original goal is uh, £6,500. Um, and if I get to, uh, I'm just teaching on the edge of £7,000 now. If I do another £1,000 or £1,500, I'm looking at doing a sort of uh, book signing, speaking engagement tour um, in Serbia, um, which would just be you know, quite nice to do and sort of invite people who I met along the way and kind of give them their own copy of the book and sort of highlight the bit that they're featured in and things like that. Um, and then there's a second stretch goal, which would uh, take me to the US um, to do two talks, um, which I'm trying to figure out quite where they would be. Um, maybe one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast, but I'd like to do two uh, speaking engagements and sort of book signings uh, in the US as well. Well, let me suggest Colorado. It's a beautiful place. Oh, that's actually uh, kind of on the top of my list. I don't know if it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's um, uh, purely for, you know, for the speaking engagement. I think it's just something I've always wanted to visit personally. <laughs> well, absolutely. You're, you're welcome to Colorado. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, that's cool. It sounds, uh, it sounds like it's going to be a cool book. I can't wait till it comes out. I'm very interested in it myself. So, where can people find you? Um, your website, your main website is because it is there. Because it is there. Dot co dot UK. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but where else can they find you? If they're looking for you on social media um, and they want to look for your Kickstarter campaign, how is it they go about finding you? Um, I mean, the easiest thing for the Kickstarter campaign, so the, the project was called Walk Serbia. So it's quite simple. Um, so you can either just go to walkserbia.com or put into Google or your favorite search engine, Walk Serbia, and it's pretty much at the top there. Um, so you can see that. You know, I'm on uh, Twitter, so Kev underscore Shannon. Um, I'm on Facebook. If you just put Kevin Shannon Adventurer into the little search function on Facebook, you'll uh, my little face will pop up <laughs> um, and you can sort of like the page and follow, um, you know, follow my sort of future antics. Oh, very cool. And you, I think you said he had an Instagram account too. I imagine that's going to have some. Great yeah. Stories, isn't it? Yeah. Instagram is um, Kev underscore Shannon again. Um, and yeah, that's got, um, that's got a lot of pictures actually from Serbia. What I did was um, I, I would take, uh, I had a Serbian SIM card, so I, I took photos throughout the journey. So there are some photos on there that obviously are low quality, um, but you're not going to see them because of the low quality, you're not going to see them anywhere other than Instagram. So it might be quite cool to uh, to go on there and have a look. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll put all those uh, links in the show notes and make sure people can get to you and, uh, and uh, we'll send them your way. So awesome. 
you talked a lot about the hospitality of the people of Serbia um, and about folks that you had met. What about the landscape? So if somebody's just uh, riding around their car right now and they're thinking that's great, but I have really no idea what to picture. You know, what is this guy talking about? Paint a picture of what it's like to walk through Serbia. Um, okay, so the, so I actually did two walks. I did one from the north to the south, and then the second was from the south to the north. And they they uh, vary quite significant, really. Really, the north is uh, flat as anything. It's um, sort of prime farmland. Um, I think it used to be an old. Uh, I think the whole area used to be one massive lake. Um, you know, years and years ago, um, and it is ridiculously flat when i was walking through it um there was a tree in the distance and it you know it took me about six hours just to reach the tree wow. and you would get incrementally uh closer every time i sort of looked up which is quite disheartening um and then in the south you've got just the most magnificent mountains um and sort of ravines uh waterfalls crystal clear blue rivers um and then in the winter it's you know you've got great um skiing and snowboarding uh facilities um and then kind of in the middle of the country you've got a lot of um there's a lot of vineyards actually uh in the, in the middle of the country where it seems it seems i kept walking through vineyards um but yeah there's a lot of, sort of wineries and stuff kind of in the center of the country which is um which is quite which is quite cool there's, there's a quite a big wine uh industry um yeah, and it's, it's, it's really green and uh, really sort of unspoiled. Um, and you can sort of, you can, you know, I, I would walk uh, mainly on roads, but, you know, you could walk for, for hours and not see anybody else. It's quite unspoiled, really. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I'm just kind of panning through some pictures as you're speaking about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's obviously a very diverse terrain there, you know, like many places are. And it's just, uh, yeah. it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's quite strange to have such a diverse, or I think, quite a diverse terrain in such a short space of, uh, you know, in such a short amount of kilometres. Yeah. Um, it, it does change quite quickly. Um, and there is, there's, there's so much history there. Um, obviously, there's, there's recent history, which people probably know about, but there's so much um, history. So you've got the Ottoman Empire were there for years. Um, uh, you've got Roman emperors who were, who were born in the south. So you've got, you know, um, you've got fortresses everywhere. Um, you've got really old sort of uh, uh, monasteries and churches sort of in these sort of des- desolate little mountaintops. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite a fantastic little country, really. So no real problems uh, uh, visiting, entering the country as a Westerner? Um, no, I think you, I th- I'm, because I'm, so, cause I've got a British passport, I can just kind of go in. <laughs> uh, I think you've got like 90 days. Um, and yeah, I think you have to register at a hotel, which don't tell anyone, but I didn't. Um, I think you th- did. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you're clear. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be a knock at the door in a minute. Um, yeah, uh, but I'm not too sure for uh, sort of an uh, American 
uh, folk. I think you need to get like a visa, but I don't think there's there's too much uh, trouble with that. I think you can kind of get it at the border, uh, okay. but don't quote me on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we need to check in on that. Well, it looks like a, an awesome trip. How? Uh, oh, I wanted to put it into perspective. So for people in, in America, Serbia is about the size of the state of Maine. Um, so that gives you an idea, um, you know, of what, of what Kevin walked, uh, north to South and South to North. So it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good trek. How long were you actually in the country on the, on the um, walk? Um, well, it was, it was cause it was two trips. The first trip was five weeks and that was in the winter. And the second week, uh, the second trip was five weeks and that was in the summer. And I, I divided the trips up because in the winter you get, um, uh, everybody's kind of huddled inside because it does get very, very cold. Um, and it's uh, quite an isolated com- – the villages are quite isolated communities then. Uh, but in the summer, it's completely opposite. People are in fields working. They're sort of sat around in bars, sat in the front gardens, having huge sort of uh, meals and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was 10 weeks all told, but obviously that was between two different seasons. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's leave off with maybe some words uh, of inspiration. Um, I imagine we probably have a good amount of people out there just thinking, wow, that sounds like an awesome trip, but this is a tough hurdle to get over. I mean, it's easy to imagine doing this and daydreaming and listening to some guy talk about it, but how do you get, get off your butt and actually get out there and try it for yourself? Um, I mean, I've without stealing sort of, you know, Nike's uh, motto, just kind of just do it, you know. I think um, if you've never done a long journey before, the hardest thing is doing that, is, is that first sort of day um, on the on the trip. That's It really hits you. So, so when I left the north of Serbia, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be quite tough. I've got five more weeks of this. Um, so what, you know, what I would do personally is, you know, go for a, an overnight walk and then you know so walk and camp um and then walk back and and what you've got to remember is it's just a repetition of that if you can do if you can walk somewhere and sleep for the night then you can repeat that it's just kind of mind over matter and the hardest thing is that first time just kind of that first uh that first step as soon as you do that everything else is easy all your worries kind of drift away um but that first step is daunting as, as anything i mean i've got you know one or two trips coming up and i know it's going to be daunting and i've done them before um so yeah just just get out there just take that first step yeah there you go so that begs the question what is on your horizon what are what are some of the things you want to check off your list um where do, where do we start um there's quite a few to be fair um uh, so obviously, you know, the, the the big thing at the moment is getting this book out by uh, by May, and then after that, I'm um, uh, I'm, I'm working with uh, fingers crossed it all pull, it all, you know, it all comes off. Uh, I'm working with a um, a cycling editor here in the UK. He edits a cycling magazine, and we're looking at cycling uh, across Kazakhstan, uh, maybe making a, a bit of a documentary and co-writing a book about the journey. Um, which would be quite cool because I kind of know nothing again, uh, nothing about the country uh, at all, um, and neither does he. So it's kind of again into the unknown. Uh, so hopefully that'll take place this year. Um, and then there's another sort of secret project that I'm uh, that I'm cooking up. Um, that's um, 
it's a walk through a country that doesn't technically exist, um, which is all I'm going to kind of give away because I don't really? think anybody else has really thought about it. Um, I mean, they may have, but it's uh, it's something I've read about in a in a paper uh, in the travel supplements in the in a paper over here, just a, a little uh, country that shouldn't exist or doesn't exist. Um, and I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> works for me. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, I'll have you back on after you've walked through the country that doesn't exist to tell us about what country it was. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's the title for the book as well. A walk through a country that doesn't exist. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Go for it. <laughs> Very cool. All right, man. Well, listeners, check out uh, the Kickstarter campaign. Check out Kevin's uh, book. Get yourself an advanced copy by going in and and donating. Um, this episode ends. What we got Sunday? Yeah, I think Sunday. Um, this episode, this, uh, Kickstarter campaign and yeah, so you yeah. have a little time to get in there and, and check out his story and get yourself a, a copy of his book and help support him so he can go walk through the country that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, well, I really appreciate your time, uh, on this episode and it's been an awesome, uh, an hour to hear all about Serbia and learn a little bit more about a country I didn't know really much about. Brilliant. Well, thank you for having me. All right. My pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. College students, don't forget, we're still looking for a few good people to be ambassadors on campus for us. And make sure you're subscribing to the Adventure Sports Podcast and do us a favor and share it on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, all the social media accounts. Now get out there and have some fun.